made such a big deal about me not dressing up for Halloween Town because it was the one time we would have a Halloween movie close to Halloween, and yet here we are, Halloween movie, close to Halloween, and you have no costume on. What gives? You know, sometimes when you're podcasting, you just get real sweaty. And sometimes that sweat's just too much, and you can't handle it. And you gotta take the costume off and just chill. Maybe even wear no clothes. I'm wearing clothes now, but maybe even wear no clothes. That's bad. This movie has children in it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to speak myself out of a ditch here, and if I just didn't say it, it would have been better. As with most things that you say. Yeah, but this one seems really bad. It's fine. I'll just tell you that I'm editing it out of the podcast, and we can move on from here. Appreciate it. Right. All right. I'm Anthony. I'm Ethan. And welcome to the Unofficial Decom Podcast. What episode is this? Is this 6-5? Yes, one of them. 65? 65, episode 65. We did it, guys. We did it. Congratulations, everybody. I mean, it's really been a group effort, and could have done with that. Episode 6. Episode 6, okay. That's still a lot for us. Yeah. This is the most committed we've been to anything, I think. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah, what up? But, like, still on a weekly basis where we get in here over over Zoom, because that's what we're doing. And we're just talking. We're doing it. It's a process. It's a grind. And we're on it. Yeah. I probably should be doing, like, actual schoolwork instead of the podcast. I just listen to you. You say, hey, watch this movie. And I'm like, okay. And I'll put everything else I have to do in life to the side just to watch a decom. Which I think the important thing to note is, like, you'll only do that on a Saturday night. Like, we record on a Sunday, and Ethan will watch the movie Saturday at night. There's no other good time to watch a movie than Saturday night. Because Friday, I'm too tired from the week. And then Saturday, I'm just chilling. And I can't do it Sunday because I'm not going to finish. What about all of Saturday? I'm busy doing nothing. Case in point. Yeah, you know you know the grind. So what episode did you watch yesterday? Or what movie did movie? you watch yesterday? Well, we both, maybe not at the same time, but we both watched Can of Worms. The sixth decom ever? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately? Just we're gonna have the six episodes in. Oh. (laughs) 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 I thought you were talking about the quality of the movie, but we still we still have a lot to go, you're right. I think it's a given, especially with early decoms, that there's not high quality in these movies. It's not high quality, but we didn't start off strong either, so I don't have high expectations, which makes these first couple better, I feel. That's true. You shouldn't have high expectations with these movies. You shouldn't have high expectations with our podcast. Because <laughs> regardless, both ways, you'll have a great time. Yeah, low expectations, mediocre results is what I say. Hard to argue. Very hard to argue. <laughs> so, so you want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into this movie. Let's do it. So, Can of Worms premiered on April 10th, 1999 on the Disney Channel. Interesting move. An April 10th Halloween movie. I mean, it's going to be us later. I wouldn't make fun of them now. And that's we're true. Doing, we're going to be doing Halloween podcasts in July, Christmas in September. You know, it's going to be a mess. A fun one. Of course. It's always a fun mess here. Do you have anything to say before we start talking about the movie? Just a little few fun facts. We have another based off of a book movie. Yes. I think, has it been every movie so far that 
It's been based off a book? I don't think everyone. I don't think You Lucky Dog was. And maybe that under wraps. That makes sense. The script also went through five rewrites. And a new writer, right? Right. A new writer wrote... The original writer of the book wrote the script, handed it over. Disney said, no way. We don't like it. Then they hired a new writing team who rewrote three scripts. Who had three scripts. Who Sorry, two. Then they hired her back. The original writer? writer. The original book writer. Had her do a script. Went, no, again. (laughs) And then put out the movie. Five rewrites. And we ended up with this. And then we ended up with this. And aren't we happy? Aren't we glad? I think so. I'm excited at the end of the podcast when we rank it, because I think it's another one where our rankings are going to vary. I'm getting that vibe from it. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Stay tuned, definitely, because maybe we have uh, some fun ranking adjustments to go through after I've thought about it more. I'm I'm the Skip Bayless to your your Shannon Sharp. I'm just here to cause drama. Is Is that a right analogy? I feel bad for you if you're labeling yourself as a Skip Bayless, but... I'm, I'm here to get views, man. Go for it. I just talk garbage for two hours, and we post it. I just want to be Stephen A. Smith. You are, man. Keep it up. Nice. Okay, so you want to get into the movie, actually? Sure. <laughs> so, we open up the movie to some thunder and lightning, because it's a Halloween movie, of course. And we see our main character, Mike, running to a big satellite that's just chilling in his backyard. He hooks up a computer to the satellite, and it begins to transmit a message to uh, space, I guess. And the message he is transmitting is saying he does not belong on Earth, and he na- that he needs to be saved. Yeah, you and every other 13-year-old, Mike. He's very much overreacting here. Now, what I got from this opening was that Mike was an alien. This isn't the case, and it took me about an hour into the movie to figure this out. Is it not the case? I don't think it is. He's just a kid who is smart enough to transmit messages into space. Well, I think the question is, is he an alien that doesn't know he's an alien? Because he's going to go through quite a bit of, like, maybe I'm an alien throughout this movie. Yeah, I don't know if that would be something that they talked about in the sequel, but it's definitely not answered in this movie. There's no sequel to this one. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. But, yeah, who knows? So, the message transmits to space, but something shocks the satellite, and we cut to two weeks earlier here. I'll be honest, when I first watched this, I thought it said two weeks later. So I was real confused for a bit there. That would make you real confused. Especially when this scene came back out. It took you that long to figure it out? Yeah. It took me that long. Because it was just like, oh, alright, no one really cares what he's doing in his backyard. And then you get to the scene again and you're like, oh, they really cared what he was doing in his backyard. It's central to the plot of the movie. Well. Who am I to tell you? So, we go to two weeks earlier... And Mike is telling the story of the Hanslows to uh, Nick and Jay. And Jay is Nick's younger brother. And Mike is friends with Nick, namely. But I guess Jay's kind of there. 
and the story is about an alien being put into a space pod by his mother to live his life on Earth. But now on Earth, he doesn't feel like he belongs. Boring story. Really boring story. But Jay's, Jay's very enthralled by it. Yeah. He, he gets, like, scared by a photo. Uh, he gets scared by a... It's a PowerPoint presentation. PowerPoint, yeah, PowerPoint. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while since I was in school. <laughs> Brain's mush, kind of. <laughs> My brain was mush in school, but now it's even worse, man. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm not looking. I'm not looking forward to figuring that out. <laughs> I w- I wouldn't make you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Should we talk about some actors here, real quick? Oh, you want to do that? Yeah, I think it's a good time. Okay, so Mike Pillsbury, played by Michael Shulman. Never see him again? We're not going to see him again. <laughs> okay, doesn't care. Jay is played by Andrew Ducott. Don't not, see him again? Not going to see him again. <laughs> Nick, however, you know who plays Nick? No, but now that you're like bringing this to my mind, he looks familiar a little bit. It looks a little familiar. A tad. A tad. You may remember him as Gilbert from Under Wraps. Oh my goodness. I see it. I'm glad he returned, because he's great. He's great. I thought that we saw him again, but I think we uh, I think we do not see him again. This is the last of Gilbert. This is the last of Gilbert. So. No more uh, Nazi references, I guess. I don't think they'll be missed. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not missed. But I think it's important to note out there will be no more Nazi references in these movies. At least I think. I hope. I'd be shocked. <laughs> I'd be very... I was shocked at the first one. <laughs> yeah, but now that we've gotten through the first one, I think there, it's, the door is wide open. Also, we have Mike's father, who for some reason is uncredited in this movie. He's uncredited? Is he, there any reason for it? Because, like, he's got speaking lines in this uh, movie. He's in this movie. He's probably, like, uh, he wouldn't be free. No, they, they had to pay him. He's a pretty, like, he's the dad from Uncle Buck, which okay. I know you haven't seen. No, nope, I'm just going to shake my head and but keep talking. But is a John Candy classic. <laughs> he plays Uncle Buck's brother. So he's... A, did I say his name yet? Garrett M. Brown. Mm-hmm. A pretty decently accomplished actor who for some reason is uncredited in this movie. <laughs> his wife is credited. He is un- uncredited. And I don't get it. I don't his know character's why. wife or his, character's his actual wife? wife. Okay. His character's wife. I thought this might have been another Kirk Cameron situation where he drags his wife into the decom as well. I hope we can avoid any more Kirk Cameron situations. Yes, yeah. Is that all the characters for now? Yeah, those are the characters for now. You can get in the rest later. Okay, so at the end of that story that he tells, Mike's dad comes outside, and he says Mike has to get him to, or they have to go to the football field where we cut, and Mike is immediately hit on the ground. His teammate comes over, basically calls him out for sucking at football, and then we see Mike is distracted by one of the cheerleaders because that's every movie. Obviously. Obviously. Mike the football player is real confusing. 
Yeah. Guys, so you go first. Well, I was just gonna say we've been ranking the uh, sports characters in DComs, and I think we found our worst. Right. Which is interesting because I he's gonna get a quick interception here, mm-hmm. and he is not the. I can't imagine he is the worst ever. The thing is here, he shows flashes of, like, very good running skills and everything. He dodges some defenders, he jukes them out. Maybe unintentionally, but still, he does well. But then we see later, he starts running the wrong way. So, it's a mix, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna, inter- he's gonna get an interception here. He's gonna try and run it back. He's gonna juke about seven defenders running straight at him at mm-hmm. one point. Which is an impressive skill. And then he's going to start running the wrong way and get tackled at the 10-yard line. Their own 10. Which is interesting because this is a three-yard gain. Is it? Yeah. Everybody hates him for it, though. I rewatched this. This is a three-yard gain. (laughs) Which makes you wonder. And then he's on the ground. He's on the ground and... The game's over. So was it like, did he not win the game? Oh, the game's over it... here? Yeah, because he's on the ground after this. And I then... thought he was just injured. I thought that, and then they took him out of the game, maybe. I don't know. Maybe? I don't I don't know. Because, like, if they didn't win the game because of this pick, it doesn't make sense that the other team was throwing for him to get a pick. Yeah, there's some football problems here. And if they needed him to run this ball back for a touchdown, you're asking way too much of a defender. Even though he ran backwards, you're asking too much. He dodged everybody. Yeah. His name, the team name of this football team is also the Arts. I saw that. That just means they're a terrible football team. If your name is the Arts... For a school, you gotta suck at sports. That's how it be. Do you do you know other schools that names are the arts? No, but my thinking is like, oh, it's an art school, which it's not. But like, the name arts makes me think of, oh, they're good at theater and visual art and stuff like that. Right, not the football. concept of art, but like, what what name is the arts? Are they like? The Art of Arts? Maybe it's some, like, old military general kind of thing. <laughs> How, like, the schools go. Like, they name them after these very old guys. And maybe there's some, like, art guy named Art who uh, helped America win a battle in, like, the Cold War. I know they didn't fight in the Cold War, really, but still. <laughs> <laughs> you had me, man. You had me hooked. I was dragging you along. <laughs> and then you threw us into some Cold War battles. I don't I don't know. I, I'm always against the Cold War. We're fighting it every single day out here. Uh to touch on a few on a few names here. Mm-hmm. We have Scott, who is the teammate that um is gonna be overall mean and is gonna be the kind of like antagonist to Mike even if he's a protagonist. This is the football 
teammate we need to know for the rest of the movie. Right. He's like the he's probably like the third most important character in the movie, outside of the talking dog. Yeah, we'll get to that. Scott's played by Marcus Turner, who was in Airbud Golden Receiver. So he's a football. He's a typecast football player. Yeah. He okay. also uh, he played the Giants quarterback in that. And speaking of Giants quarterbacks, the Giants <laughs> won today. That was pretty cool, huh? First time on the pod, I think. Yes. <laughs> Sadly. First time in a while. Yeah. Well, maybe 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 Scott can help you out. Uh, <laughs> couldn't be worse. Yeah. And also, Caitlin. Is played by Erica Christensen, who is Julia Braverman on the Parenthood TV show. I don't watch that. It's over. I watched it. It was a good show. Happy for you. And Wasn't they... she in Parent Trap, too? Was she in Parent Trap? Yeah. I don't know. I saw Parenthood, and I was like, all right, I know her. I know somebody. Yeah, I think this might be the first movie. I mean, I guess I know Gilbert. I was going to say I don't know anybody, but I think that's my one actor, Gilbert. You probably have seen one of these people before. The guy who plays the dog you've probably seen before. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, continue. Okay, so that football play happens. And uh, Mike gets tackled and gets hit hard. So he goes, I guess, deep into his mind. And he sees an alien dude in a spacesuit, And he believes that that alien wants his brain. And then as he wakes up, the coaches check on him, say he's fine. And then his family comes over to check on him. And they say he's fine. Uh, that's the end of the scene. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That actually, that threw me off. I was like, oh, so he got through to the aliens. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It was a very weird flash. It's not a flashback, but it's a very weird look into the mind, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just threw me off, and I was like, oh, so he got in contact with the aliens. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't think that, but I can see where you're coming from here. But no, it's going to take us a lot longer until we meet any aliens in this movie. And I th- I thought that's it worked for the movie, but we can talk about that later. And his uh, when he's down on the ground, I think it's another important thing to note. It's not important, but here we are. It's our <laughs> podcast. Get over it. His dad said he was trying to score touchdowns for the other team. But if he got tackled in the end zone, it would have been a safety. True. That's true. So... I stand by the fact that, logically, the Arts won this football game. Yeah, or the play was unimportant in the long run. Right. When yeah. they had no reason to throw it. Right. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the scene had the uh, brink issue of not knowing it was an injury. Because it looked like a normal tackle. I have no clue why he was hurt so much. I think mean, he's just like, they're trying to like play up this persona of him being super weak. Okay. Which is interesting because once we see him walking around without pads on, you're like, that's a normal guy. In yeah. any other movie, he plays the star quarterback <laughs> of, like, a football team. Yeah. 
But in this movie, they triple the pad size and make him look like a four-year-old. It makes him look four, like four. Also looks like he has to poop just the way he walks. He's got, <laughs> he's, he's got that, uh, you know, oh, I got to get to a toilet quick. Been there. Me too. I respect it. Did you play football? No, absolutely not. I, I'd be injured just like him from one hit. By his own teammate, too. Was it? Yeah, he runs into Scott. Oh, so the, the butt Scott. fumble. Without the classic, fumble. Classic butt fumble. Yeah. So, in the next scene, uh, we're back at Mike's house, and he is calibrating the satellite in the backyard when his mom comes out to call him inside. Uh, Mike goes inside, he makes some cereal, and then his little sister, Jill, comes down to ask how she is, or ask how he is, how he's feeling. Uh, but really, she just wants help for her computer class because we need really need to drive the point home in the scene that Mike is the tech guy of the family. Him working on the satellite once again confused me, making me think he had already sent the signal to this to space. You could be confused if you thought that way, but also it makes sense when you think of it two weeks earlier also. Right, right, yeah. Also, his mom, Dana Pillsbury, is played by Lee Garlington. She was in Field of Dreams. Okay. I, I can't believe you've never seen Field of Dreams. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. And Jill Pillsbury is played by Brighton Hertford, who is our one person that we'll see again from this movie. What is she in? Return to Halloween Town. Oh, so she's a Halloween typecast. Right. We won't see her again for a while, though, so... Yeah, we don't see her much in this movie, either. It's a confusing concept to have Nick's brother be so prominent, but ignore Mike's sister completely, and just have her for the sake of having a sister. I also feel like Nick's brother, Jay, also isn't around that much. He's only there to move the plot along. Yeah, real fast, also. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up, I'm very confused at what they were teaching in the 90s on computers because she goes, she asks um, Mike what a bioservice routine is. This is 1999. What are they teaching these high school kids? Is she in high school? I feel like she would have to be with that whatever whatever class she's taking. It seems insane to be teaching this to people who aren't familiar with technology like this in the first place. Right. Like, is she just taking the class because she has Mike as a brother and he can just help her? Like, the same way I took Spanish in high school? Hey, I I wouldn't say too much before that. You might get your uh, high school degree taken away. Some would say it's a sham already. Yeah. But for legal reasons, this podcast is a joke for Tony's sake. Right, yes. Legally, we're a joke. We don't mean anything we say. Well, anyway. (laughs) So, uh, after that, oh, no, still same scene. Mike tries to explain the concept, but he explains it in a horrific way because we gotta learn that he's the tech guy, and Jill still doesn't understand the concept. It reminds, or she brings up this fact that Mike is from another planet. We talked about this earlier. I'm confused about if Mike's 
actually from another planet. Right, but you've just never had, like, mean siblings. No, because, like, the thing is, it could be a mean sibling kind of thing, but it could also be, like, oh, he's an alien, because that's what I was thinking, just like you thought the two weeks uh, earlier was two weeks later. Understandable. Yeah, and it, it falls, more in the, falls more in the cheaper by the dozen of calling the kid FedEx. <laughs> okay. So, after that scene, we uh, cut to the dad. Uh, he's putting on a tie, and then he goes onto his computer, and he does the one thing that dads do on the computer in the 90s, and he's checking out the stock market uh, for AT&T, apparently. Is that a product placement? Who knows? So, I put up some stock numbers from AT&T during 1999. Oh, man, you're really a numbers guy. After No, our... I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. I would never do that again after what we had to cut out of last week's podcast. Yeah, uh, Tony went on a three-ish minute, was it three minutes? Got off there. It was a long rant about trying to figure out the inflation of a price, and I was trying to get him to stop, but instead Tony just cut it out of the podcast because he has that power. I was out of control. <laughs> so no stock market prices, but um, when the dad's on the computer, a pig appears on the screen, which is very similar to the Xenon virus thing. It's that clip art vibe. Really weird. It looks familiar. Yeah, it's not going to be the last of it. Oh, boy. Okay. So when the pig appears on the screen, he calls him Mike to fix it. Uh, we get some more nerd tech talk from Mike. And this in this conversation, he tells his dad that he really doesn't want to play football anymore. But his dad doesn't care. And he's like, you're going to play football. And they're gonna go outside and play. Yeah, and that's how that conversation works in most situations with a kid and his dad, especially yeah. in the '90s. But also, none of what Mike says explains why there's a pig clip art on his dad's computer screen. No, because he he's like, I I've been doing a project and I needed more RAM, and that's the explanation he gives. Doesn't explain why the pig's on the screen. Right, you had to download that pig. <laughs> it's a whole separate thing you have to do other than storage on your computer. What a mess. Also, his dad's like, let's go outside and like work on some football moves. That man was injured. You, he needs the rest. That's all I gotta say there. You don't get injured in football. Everybody knows that. Yeah, you just get CTE and then especially forget in about the 90s. it. Especially in the 90s. Yeah, they didn't play with helmets in the 90s. Now he's the Leatherhead. Days. That's what <laughs> George Clooney did the days. movie about. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the next scene, we're at the school, and uh, Scott, the football player, he uh, hits Mike on the head with a pen, and he's making fun of him because, I don't know, uh, Mike sucks at football or something. And then, uh, and then Nick is like, man, Scott's so cool. That's basically that. He calls him the, uh, the, how, he says, how perfect can a guy get? Because he is, here's the three, uh, tiers for a perfect guy. Muscles, good-looking athlete, and a computer whiz. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows Blake Snow is the perfect, the perfect guy. It's just, it's, it's the combination that all of us look to, look to go after, to be able to hack 
computers by putting floppy disks into a completely different computer's disk drive. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's perfect. He's the full package. I, maybe I gotta work on my uh, computer skills because I already got the uh, good-looking athlete and the muscles kind of thing going for me. That's that's for sure. I mean, you can't tell me I'm wrong. It's not a video podcast. I can't tell you I'm wrong. You would not be. I wouldn't be able to back it up. No, you can't back it up, but you also can't prove anything either. I guess I'm stuck here, and you all just have to trust that Ethan is <laughs> two thirds of the way to perfect. Hit me up. Email email the uh, podcast account. Hit me up. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> but or do. It only anyway, inflate his ego. I need I need it. Come on. I just need something every once in a while. Anyways, Caitlin walks into the uh, in the classroom. She's the cheerleader from before that he uh, Mike was oogling at, and she walks in and Scott tries to make room for her at their like little desk kind of thing by pushing some kid out of the seat. He actually doesn't get pushed out of it. He kind of just holds on. <laughs> really weird for the perfect guy isn't able to push a, uh, a probably 70-pound child out of a chair, but still. Well, it's because of his secret golden heart. Yeah? Is that is that what we're going to call it? Sure. Okay. So, Caitlin doesn't care about this, and then she goes and sit ne- sits next to uh, Mike. Um, that's his surprise. It's just a weird scene because it's taken as if, like, it's the first day of classes. Like, everybody it, has it, to... Yeah, even if it's, like, unofficial, still. Right. Everybody ha- Everybody would have seats. She doesn't need to find a seat. She probably has friends in the class. Yeah, because she's hanging out with friends later. Uh-huh. Also, like, it's... I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Nah. So, uh... As Tony talked about earlier, Scott Scott then pulls out a floppy disk, uh, puts it in his computer, which sends a message to Mike's computer that I think it was that he took his brains. Really weird message. Well, when Mike is down on the ground, he yells that they stole his brain. Oh, that didn't connect at all to me. So Scott is making fun of that. Okay. Maybe that's why the pen thing happened earlier, because he hit him on the head. I think so. Didn't click for me. But uh, that message is sent, and then Mike retaliates by putting his own floppy disk in his own computer, which sends a message to the teacher uh, that another professor's in her or something. She has to go to the office. The principal. The principal? Ooh, big-time drama at school. And then after the teacher leaves, it puts a pig with uh, Old McDonald playing in the background on everybody's computers, and then that pig turns around, and also in Xenon fashion, has Scott's face on it. And then everybody laughs when the scene ends. This doesn't deserve any more seconds of talking. No? Well, I think it was funny, because they made the scene so dramatic, because Nick goes, right before Mike puts in his floppy disk, he goes, Makes him, make him suffer. Yeah. I was hoping you had what he said because I like I remember Nick was so excited for this. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. They don't even try to understand computers when they write these movies. No, <laughs> they're like we have this piece of technology we can put anything we want on it, and that's the extent of computers. <laughs> I think that's all in that scene. We're gonna cut to the treehouse that. 
I just want to point this out. The treehouse is like a bubble wrap curtain. Not not the best for curtain materials, but whatever. Yeah, not the best for a door, but here we are. <laughs> Jill is going to come up while Mike and Nick are in there. And Jay's she's also gonna, there. Right. Uh, Jill's going to say, hey, someone's waiting. Someone came by to talk to you. Her name's Caitlin. She's waiting in your room. And Mike's like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Caitlin's here. Caitlin Sand... It's not Sandbag. Sandman? It's Sandman. Re- Sandman? Yeah. Really weird last name, but still. Caitlin Mariano Rivera is waiting in your bedroom. And he's like, okay, sure. Uh-huh, I believe you. And then him and Nick are kind of just sitting there talking for a little bit. And then they look at each other and they're like, Wait, why would she be lying? <laughs> well, and well, she Jay's... doesn't know Caitlin's name. Well, Jay goes like, maybe she she just wants to hear your stories because you tell such cool stories to me. And then they just both sit there. And that's the thing that inspires them to go up there. Right. So Mike is going to, at two times speed, sprint up to his bedroom. Very Benny Hill. Oh, yeah, Very they put Benny that Hill. music behind it. Um, it would be perfect gonna beeline it straight for his bedroom and Caitlin's just in his room looking at stuff and touching things she tells him that his prank in class today was brilliant and she thought it was so brilliant she wants his help to do the decorations for the Halloween dance because she doesn't want it to be boring she wants it to be fun and high tech she doesn't want it to be orange crepe paper she wants to go bigger have no fear, there will be orange paper and streamers in this <laughs> in this upcoming Halloween party montage that we're about to see. I've got two I got two things about this scene so far. Yeah, go ahead. One, who let her up to his room? That's not how you let in a person who has never been to your house before. Also, she's touching everything in the room. Not a good move. Right. She is touching everything. Not necessarily cool. I assume Jill was probably just like, uh, I'm gonna tell him, he's in his treehouse, you can go in his room. Why she's not like, he's in his treehouse, you can go up there. Yeah. I don't know, but, like, the parents seem to have jobs. No, I take that back. (laughs) The mom, I don't, we didn't touch on this, but the mom is a, is a, almost Richard Simmons-like dance tape maker. She does something with TV stuff. It's she not really makes, explained. Yeah, she makes, like, dance workout tapes. It felt like among other things, but that's the one thing we know of. Definitely. And I think, I think her dad, I think, not her dad, I think the dad also works with them, with her, on that endeavor. That sounds right. Regardless, weird job. Weirder than a real estate agent. We're going to jump into a montage with some Halloween decorating that mostly just involves stealing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they're very lucky that uh, everything they take, including like lights and electronics, work because they're covered in pounds of dust in the basement of the school. 
Yeah, they have access to a lot of stuff that I feel like wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be accessible. Yeah. But, uh, that's do the it. magic of business, baby. <laughs> that's the, the Halloween magic. <laughs> the Halloween Disney magic. Uh, why is every, like, girl in a, like, coming-of-age movie the head of a dance committee? To show that they're, uh, I don't know, better than them. <laughs> that they're popular enough to run the dance, I guess. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I've never talked to someone and they've never told me that they were ahead of a dance committee. Yeah, me either. I just didn't even know it was a possibility anymore. Yeah. So, while they're in the gym alone together, Caitlin is gonna ask Mike to tell him one of his famous stories. Because mm-hmm. she says, like, they make a great team. They make and, a great team. And Mike's like, I never expected this because you're the head cheerleader and I'm just Mike Pillsbury, the tech guy. I mean, it's part of the perfect person, so you know why Caitlin wants to hear his stories. Right. He's just like a mediocre football player and a computer whiz, which is only like one and a half. <laughs> He's working on it. Right. Mike's gonna go ahead and start to tell Caitlin one of his boring, boring stories. <laughs> there is nothing redeeming about these stories. No, but he doesn't. He doesn't even have a PowerPoint to go along with this one. No. He keeps telling, like, the same types of stories over and over again. Get some new material, man. <laughs> While Mike is telling his boring story that needs to stop being told, Scott is going to walk in and interrupt the story. And to, he's going to invite Caitlin to come get food with everyone. And Caitlin's like, sure, I'm hungry. You want to go get food, Mike? And Mike's like, uh, yes. <laughs> Scott goes, well, do I invite Pillsbury? Which is a great name. Pillsbury love- should be used more. <laughs> it's just a fun thing to say. Especially right. in an insulting way. Right. So Mike's going to fire back, and he's going to tell Scott that if he eats any more greasy food, he's going to turn from the halfback to the fullback. Just some real body shaming right here. <laughs> They're both mean people. <laughs> Just some bullies all across the board. Yeah. Glad Caitlin's there to stop it. But Caitlin's gonna just be like, uh, Scott, leave. Uh, I don't want to go get food. <laughs> Tell everybody hi, though. Bye. And then Mike, uh, Mike and Caitlin are sitting there, and Caitlin goes, hey, you want to go get food? <laughs> so they leave to go get food. Uh, you can't leave the gym this way. Yeah, nobody's locking it up. Nobody's doing anything to it. He leaves his computer there, which in 1999 times... It's probably rare to have, like, a laptop computer. Not a good move. Yeah, but also, like, the gym teacher would be, like, so mad the next day. And you know oh, yeah. he's putting you down and find who it was and be like, be like, Pillsbury, you left my gym a mess. And it's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I gotta have class in here. I right. gotta teach everybody. How am I gonna do stations <laughs> if there's this giant thing in the middle of my gym? How are we going to hit everybody with the good old pacer test? <laughs> All right. Uh, 
<laughs> Dude, when are we gonna get a Disney movie, a DCOM about the Pacer test? Can we make it? Can we make it and then send it to Disney? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just like a it... Brink style Pacer test movie. <laughs> <laughs> All the montages of just like running back and forth. It'd be so dramatic. Just like, I gotta get to like 20 pacers. And you get the professional pacer test team. <laughs> the sponsored pacer test team. What's the point of the pacer test anyway? Just to show everybody how out of shape they are. <laughs> Just be like, That's all right. <laughs> it was like, the best part would be like, we do nothing with this information. We do nothing. It's just like we get really bored in class one day and Michelle Obama's making us do the patient test and I don't know what's happening anymore. We are underfunding our schools and they don't have any equipment so just run back and forth to this music for 20 minutes. <laughs> Disney, if you like this idea, please email us. You too, Michelle Obama. <laughs> Let's get Michelle Obama on the pod so we can talk about the Pacer test and she can give her approval for the DCOM Pacer test movie. <laughs> Caitlin and Mike, you're going to leave this gym a mess. And then Scott and some kid. Some the same crony. kid from earlier. He tried right. to push out of the chair. Oh, right, 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 right. Still don't get his name or anything, but yeah, it's the same kid. They're going to break into the gym that night and plug some stuff in. I thought they stole Mike's computer, which had a big uh, keep out sticker on it. But when we go to the dance the next day, there's just a wire that runs from Mike's laptop to outside of the school with uh, Scott's laptop. So, yeah, I think you're right. Feels illegal. But here we are. It is illegal, most likely. We're going to cut to Mike's house, where he is soldering some wires for his tuxedo. His cumberbund. And his parents are going to come in, and his sister's there too, because why not? You have one day to suit these these in-house scenes. (laughs) And his parents, the dance instructors, are going to go, you know, Mike, we realized we never taught you how to dance. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because they're dance instructors. They make it seem like it. Yeah. So Mike's just going to be like, no, it's all right. And, <laughs> and leave. And then we're going to cut to the gym where Scott and the other kid are on the auditorium stage, the gymatorium stage behind a curtain with a computer, and for some reason they're both dressed up. Yeah, uh, the only thing is they're dressed in, like, black. They're hiding. I don't know. Well, one's a ninja and one's a skeleton. They're still there to have fun, I guess. They might hate Mike and everything he does, but boy, do they love to dance. They never get to, because they're going to commit some arson real quick. Nobody gets to dance. It's real sad. So Mike and Caitlin are getting the party set up. And 
just doing some stuff, I guess. I don't even know what they're doing. He, he's turning everything on. Uh, the only thing is, Caitlin's like, can you automate this so we can dance? And then Mike's got that nerdy response. He's like, I can do it in two keystrokes. <laughs> Why do they have to make one character such a loser in some of these movies? Because <laughs> we can relate to them more. <laughs> <laughs> I should understand more. Right. Yeah, I, Honestly, I, I, I can feel the I mostly related to Scott's crony the most, I think, in this movie. Yeah? Yeah. You know, he just felt like he didn't want to be there. And, you know, I really felt that. <laughs> it's like I didn't want to be watching this movie. Yeah. So the party's going to start. And it's going well. And there's some weird dancing. There's this weird, like, snow globe-shaped thing in the middle of the dance floor that just has a bunch of lights and cameras on it. It looks like a tiered cake kind of thing that spins. Yeah, it spins, and uh, and it's got some strobing effects, and they have some, like, automated bats and spiders flying through the air. It's not orange crepe paper, I'll tell you that. Nope. Uh, completely unrealistic. But why would you expect realism here? Yeah. That's not what we're here for. Nope. We're here for fun. We're here f- to get wild. You gotta get a little crazy. And if there's anyone who knows how to get crazy, it's Scott. Because he's gonna commit some arson here. <laughs> that spraying thing is going to get real hot, set on fire, bring fires everywhere. The teacher from earlier in the movie is going to run over with a fire extinguisher, spray that bad boy down, and then for some reason keep spraying and spray Mike. Unnecessary. Mean. Mike is going to storm off in a rage. He's embarrassed, and before he leaves, he he takes off his tuxedo jacket, um, which doesn't make any sense because he's his whole outfit is covered in fire extinguisher foam. But he's like, I am so angry. He takes off his tuxedo jacket and throws it to the floor. <laughs> I think it's really just an excuse for later. I'm figuring it out now, because Caitlin brings it back. But there was no reason to take out off the coat. Right. I also wanted to bring up another loser moment from Mike earlier, is when <laughs> everybody else comes back to uh, comes into the dance, and he's like, everybody quiet down before the dance starts. I'm going to introduce the dance. And he's like, this dance was made by Mike's Mike Pillsbury's intergalactic company with help from the great Caitlin. Really weird. But the thing is, he gets a kiss on the cheek, and we love that. Doesn't he also go, like, he's like, the great Mike Pillsbury International Space Company, which is me. <laughs> it was just a mess. But he gets that kiss on the cheek, which yeah, is a, a real classic loser. decom thing. And a real loser. <laughs> so, we're gonna cut from Mike storming off to the backyard, and we're gonna get this scene. We're gonna watch um, the entire first scene over again. We're gonna watch from start to finish the entire first scene again. And the only thing that we missed out the first time is the satellite exploding. Yeah, lightning hits the satellite. That's what we learn. And then right. the whole thing explodes. 
great. We watched the entire same scene, no cuts, no nothing different, really. Waste of my time. Right. And the weird part is, like, we saw the lightning strike it the first time. We didn't see it explode the first time, but we saw it explode the second time. Almost like they wanted to confuse us with that two weeks earlier. I think it just confused you, man. I understood it. And I get confused by a lot of things. Yeah, I was gonna say, if it didn't confuse you and it just confused me, man, I'm... Yeah, like, I'm. we've been over this before. I'm the resident, if it confuses me, it's probably gonna confuse a child kind of thing. So if I can understand it here, and you didn't, I think we have an issue. I and think I'm just illiterate. I think I'm just illiterate. <laughs> I want to get that checked out. I'm sorry. Should you get when you drop out of college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to cut to the next morning inside the house, and the family is talking about, um, they're pretty nonchalant about the fact that Mike blew up a satellite in the backyard. Yeah, they're not angry at anything. Jill's only angry because they only have to watch uh, ordinary network programming now. But, I mean, the situation, the explosion's bad and everything, but I guess they're like, it's Mike's satellite. Nobody else kind of cares about it. And the parents were like, nobody got hurt. Mike didn't get hurt. Everybody's okay. The satellite was also insured, which was... Real weird. Yeah. But here we are. So... (laughs) Nothing bad happened from that satellite. Also, they seem well off enough to buy a satellite dish if they're so pleased to have more fun channels. Yeah. But they tell Mike, hey, you should go back to school. And he's like, I don't really want to. And they're like, ah, you kind of gotta. <laughs> and then his sister's going to be like, hey, can you help me with this question? And Mike's going to go, sorry, but I lost my will to solve. You want to know how sad he was? The major key here was he was wearing sweatpants, which is the prime uh, symbol for a sad teenage boy. Yeah. Or girl. Yeah, or anybody. All right. You heard it here <laughs> first, our teenage kid expert. Thank you. And our gorilla. So we're going to cut to school where we get a first-person shot walking down the hallway with every kid staring and whispering about Mike as if he caused the fire. Well, that's what they make it seem because you don't see uh, Scott and the crony. So it's like, oh, he just put all these electronics and they blew up. But the thing is, there were like max 50 people at that dance. Word wouldn't have gotten around. They'd been like, oh, there's a fire at the dance. And they would nobody would blame it on Mike. They'd just be like, oh, fire. That was funny. Also, somebody had to clean up that whole thing. Which was, first off, messed up by Mike. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. someone had to clean it up and notice the wire go from the thing to behind the curtain <laughs> to a different computer. Yeah. Whatever. No one's going to notice. So as he's walking down the hallway, he's going to go up to Caitlin as if he's going to say something, but he kind of just stares at her, and Caitlin goes like, what? And he goes, Really weird way she says it. Yeah. As, like, there's no reason for Caitlyn to be angry about anything right now. Because she, she's going to show that she's not angry at all after this point. I think it was a prime example of peer pressure in a school environment. Because her friends are there, too. And, like, she's got to kind of stand up. Not for Mike, but with her friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's just going to, like, sheepishly, sheepishly walk away after that. Yeah. Poor sad, guy. sad, sad guy. 
You hate to see it. Or you like to. I don't, you know, up to you. You hate to see it. It was sad. Our loser king, Mike Pillsbury, has fallen down a couple of pegs. <laughs> and, uh, only because someone else committed arson. You know, you don't you hate it when that happens? Somebody at your school dance commits arson and you're blamed for it? Yeah. I mean, it's the worst, honestly. Terrible. We're gonna cut to the treehouse again, where he's laying down in his little treehouse. And a dog's gonna show up, but not just any dog, Barnabas. And Barnabas has a talking device, just like uh, Doug from Up. Yeah, but this one has creepy blue lips and moves as he talks. Oh, it was so... All the aliens in this are like, ugh. I, the first two, I think? Because the later ones aren't too bad, but like this this one... Who's not an alien, but the green alien we'll see later. Disgusting. And the other ones in the treehouse are like, eh, no thanks. They could be worse. Barnabas is actually played by a pretty big actor. Yeah? What's yeah, his he's name? Malcolm McDowell. You're gonna have to give me more than that. Alright, well... Oh, wait, are we talking about voice? Yeah. I was just thinking the dog. The dog was a big actor. You think the dog was named Malcolm McDowell? Yeah, you see, well, that's what threw me, that's what threw me off, because <laughs> earlier you said, oh, you're going to know the dog, the person who played the, or the, you didn't say person, you said, you're going to know the dog, and I went, oh, was it a dog, like, who's been in popular film and TV shows? <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> uh, the, do- the dog played by Malcolm McDowell, who is... Uh, who is Grandpa Fletcher in Phineas and Ferb. Amazing. Uh, he's just going to be in Clockwork Orange. That's a big one. And he is in the Adam Sandler murder mystery movie on Netflix. These are all very big movies. Huge. Huge but I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad he doesn't leave Disney. He comes back for Phineas and Ferb. He's a big guy. Big character. Big actor. The character, too. Yeah. You had anything to say about Barnabas? Uh, it's another decom with a dog. I think that makes, I think we're half of the movies, I feel, because there's one in, is there one in Under Wraps? We have one in Under Wraps. There's, well, of course, one in You Lucky Dog. Mm-hmm. None in is You there... Lucky Dog. <laughs> is there one in Brink? I, I don't think so. I don't think so, either. Halloween Town has a dog, right? Has to. There has to be. I don't know. How do you hate Halloween but not even get your kids a dog? Yeah, you gotta give them something. But yeah. we're not gonna get back into Halloween down here. Right. But, uh, the fifth was Xenon. No dog, because no it's dog. space. So, three But they're also of- on Earth. So half of them. I was right. Half I did the math. Oh, nice, man. Kill. Nice. The, I'm the numbers guy now. I'm yeah. gonna go on a ten-minute rant about inflation rates. Please don't. I won't. I don't have the that in me, man. Amen. <laughs> me neither. So back to Barnabas, who is going to say a bunch of stuff to Mike and essentially be like essentially be like, Hey, come with me. I heard you won out of this place. 
I'm your best bet to do it safely. The rest of these guys here are not going to be as fun and nice as me. Mm -hmm. Come with me. And Mike's just like, uh, I gotta go get something to eat. This isn't happening. (laughs) Mike's gonna run inside and then go uh, make a giant lunch. Or dinner. Or dinner. And he's gonna eat something inside of his room until a giant sewer pipe. And we're gonna learn... All of these aliens get through, get to Earth using these, like, portals. They're called Stargates. Stargates. Using and they're all Stargates. personalized to the character. The dog has a doghouse one. Uh, the media alien later has a TV. Stuff like that. Yeah. This guy is going to have a sewer pipe. And the sewer pipe's going to appear above him and start dripping goo over Mike's food. Nasty. Nasty. Makes you sick just thinking about it. (laughs) Really hate to see it. And some alien puppet is going to pop out of the sewer and show up and start saying some things. But he's going to start talking. He's going to ask Mike if he can have some of his food. But while he starts talking to Mike, Caitlin is going to call Mike to apologize, saying, we got to lighten up. But at the same time as Caitlin calling, the alien is eating some food and farting a whole bunch. He's farting a bunch, he's popping, he eats some corn and pops some popcorn out of there. And all this time he's, uh, I, I'm going to use the word uh, moaning. I, there's no better way to describe it, I feel. <coughs> he's, he's enjoying the meal, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way to call it. it he's eating, he's like, mm, mm, that is some, that is some good, good news, good food. Uh, Caitlin wants to be friends again, and she thinks they were sabotaged. Somehow. But... There's, there's no evidence that they were sabotaged. No, there was that black wire. But nobody saw it. There wasn't, like, a scene where she pointed to it and went, like, ooh. But if someone did, there you go. Whatever. I don't believe you, but go on. Alright. Um, she's getting angry. She's gonna hang up. Because Mike can't, for some reason, be like, hey, can I call you back? Yeah, that was my big issue with this scene. <laughs> you could, either Mike could be like, hey, now's not a good time. He tries to use a plumber excuse, bad way. But he could have done that. Or Caitlin could have heard all the uh, noise that was being made on the other side of the phone and be like, oh, maybe now's not a good time, especially with the way you're reacting to this phone call. I'll call back later. Yeah, it, no, no, like, Caitlin is like, Caitlin's just like, you're being really rude, and it's like, duh, and Mike is holding his nose, like, trying to avoid smelling anything. Yeah, he goes like, oh, this stinks in response to Caitlin, or, uh, can you stop it, and stuff like that. Right. No, it makes sense. He should have just said, I, can I call you back later, or can you call me back <laughs> later? Yeah. Anyway, the alien is gonna tell Mike that he's a lawyer, and... That Mike can 
get a lawsuit from Earth because something about no superior being being subjected to bad planets. We'll explain this a little more later. It's confusing anyway, but yeah. Well, Mike, Mike's going to be like, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> and the alien is going to threaten to sue Mike and leave. He'll sue him for wasting his time. For wasting his time. Nick's going to show up and, and just absolutely not believe anything Mike says. Because why Makes sense. You? Yeah. He sounds like a crazy person. There's no proof. Barnabas is gone. He just was like, hey, I can help you. And Mike was like, no, I don't think you're here. And then Barnabas left. Barnabas said, I'm going to come back later. And you should be ready to leave. That was a little sliding uh, okay. kind of thing. Okay. Oh. Oh. But doesn't matter that Nick doesn't believe him. Because Mike has plans of his own. He's going to go out on a walk. To do what? Stalk Caitlin. Mike's got this weird staring problem. He does it in the football game. He basically stares at her when he sits next to her, or she sits next to him in computer class, and then he's, like, staring at her again. Bad moves, Mike. Oh, Mike gets this real weird look on his face a lot of the time in this movie. I wrote that down. It, it's, got, it's these eyes wide, mouth open, in response to normal things that people say. Yeah, yeah, and the, the mouth is, like, three quarters of the way open, the eyes are wide, and it's just... And he's going to do it a lot. Yeah, like things that do not warrant that kind of reaction. He reacts to it that way. So, as he's stalking Caitlin, he's going to run into Barnabas. Who is going to be like, hey, you dummy. <laughs> you opened up a... Stargate. No, a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, even, <laughs> I even wrote that down. I'm sorry. <laughs> You ooped it up to me, and I hit my head on the rim. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play this off by saying you missed a point. Um, Mike's stalking uh, Caitlin, but Caitlin sees Mike, and it's like, you can just see she's angry. That's all. Nothing important, but Caitlin does see Mike stalking her. So, Barnabas is also going to let Mike know that Earth is no longer protected as primitive life. Yeah, it's the intergalactic protection for primitive life. Because Mike was able to get a communication out to space, meaning therefore they have the technology to communicate with the other, with the other planets, meaning Earth is now normal. Too smart. It's too, too smart. smart. Or just like, all right, kind of smart enough. Yeah, and the only way that this isn't an issue is if they can prove that it was an accident instead of them right. gaining the technology. Mike is gonna try and he's gonna try and tell Barnabas that it was an accident, and he says he'll he'll go with Barnabas to do this, but first he needs to apologize to Caitlin. He needs to go stalk Caitlin again. He needs to go stalk Caitlin again. Uh, also, a thing that I wanted to bring up when Barnabas showed up thirty minutes in to the one hour and 20 minute movie was how long it took us to get our first alien. Yeah, especially with the way the cover was like one of those uh, old school horror movies with the big alien uh, towering over your main protagonist and everything. 
I was definitely expecting a very different vibe for this movie. Yeah, this is not a space movie. It's not a space movie. It's not a Halloween movie either. It's like a Die Hard. It's not a Christmas movie, but it takes place on Christmas kind mm. of thing. It's more an election day movie. Yeah? Maybe. Maybe. I'll give you it. So Caitlin is going to agree to give Mike one last chance. Because he's going to run up to Caitlin's house and yell at her through the window. Stalker and- move. Stalker move. And she's going to be like, all right, fine, I'll give you one last chance. I'm coming in the door. And he's going to be like, great. However, Mike has been followed by an alien who is going to freeze Mike or, like, paralyze Mike to, to talk the ground. To yeah, like yeah. he falls down to the ground and he's frozen. Right. He's going to try and talk to Mike. Caitlin comes out of her door, but then the alien's going to be like, don't worry, I got this, and freeze Caitlin entirely. And then the alien is going to go like, why don't we talk somewhere more private? And he's going to teleport them across the street. Very far away. Very far away. Mike doesn't want to talk to this guy. But this guy wants him to know that, hey, he could get him some huge television deals when he comes to space. Yeah, this alien is... So, here's an issue. They don't really give aliens other names than the first alien that appears. We don't really get his name. His species is like the bone or whatever. But after that point, you don't get any more names from these aliens. So you refer to them as the alien that they, they're like personality trait, I guess. Right. Which is weird for this one because he's on the cover of the, uh, of the movie, the one that towers over uh, Mike and everybody. Mm-hmm. Just a weird, least, weird thing. One of the least important aliens in the movie. I'd say. There's more least important ones that don't talk at all, but still. Yeah. So, this guy's gonna talk to Mike. He's gonna be like, hey, I can get you some big deals. But Mike's like, I don't want to. And he's gonna grab the alien's eyes. And the alien's gonna teleport away using his uh, Stargate TV. And Mike and Caitlin are both gonna get unfrozen. So Caitlin's going to notice that Mike's not there. He's going to yell, Caitlin! And she's going to look. But, unfortunately, there was a school bus crossing at the same time. Oh, what a, what a convenient school bus. So I have, I have an issue with this bus moment. Okay. So, so um, Mike says Caitlin's name twice. One before, the, as like the bus is coming. And Caitlin hears, hears this, but doesn't see Mike. And then as Caitlin is walking inside and kind of closing the door, Mike says her name again. But this time, Caitlin doesn't hear Mike at all. The bus is gone. How does he not hear her? This, I mean, how does she not hear him the second time? Yeah, it feels like it was something that was very much like, all right, we're just not going to let, like, we don't want this. To happen right now. We don't want, yeah, we don't, it's not in the script that they talk right now, so they're just going <laughs> to. We're going to make it real easy for them to talk, but we're not going to have it. Yeah, that's my only issue. After that scene of stalking, we go back to Mike's house, and um, he asks his mom and dad if he's adopted, and his parents try to convince him that he's not. And Jill's like, you are, because you're, you're nerdy. That's why you're adopted. Uh, this was confusing to me because of the whole, is he not an alien kind of thing. 
if he knew he was an alien, it'd be like, why are you asking your parents this? You know already kind of thing. And this was the moment where I'm like, wait, is he not an alien? Whole confusing. The movie's gonna very much play off the idea that he is an alien, or at least not play the idea that he's that he is an alien well. Mm-hmm. They'll foreshadow a lot. Uh-huh. Until a specific scene later in the movie where you're like, well, I have no idea now. Yeah. So after that conversation, we then cut to Mike walking outside where he, he meets up with Nick, and he's still trying to convince him that he saw and talked to aliens. But this all changes when they are both into the treehouse and five aliens appear, including the bone from before, the other the media alien, and uh, there's three more aliens. So there's the alien trying to get Mike to franchise the Jarmonica, which is not a harmonica at all. It is a multi-purpose kitchen tool. There's another alien who wants to go on a date with Mike, really predatory. And then there is a just an alien in a floating jar. Unimportant. Yeah. Weird. Decent puppet decent puppet work. They're just all so ugly and like you don't want to look at them. The whole puppet work in the movie was real impressive, especially with the way the bone talked earlier. Just the his teeth were real realistic and the way his like lips were moving, real weird. Yeah. But impressive. So after we are introduced to all these aliens, Mike feels like he's being used by these aliens because they all want to use uh, Mike for a deal or something like that. So he leaves and he goes inside. And that night, he starts packing up to leave for another planet because he's going to choose one of them for some reason. And uh, Nick tries to convince him not to go. And this is when Caitlin arrives to give back the tuxedo jacket he angrily threw uh, down at the dance. Yeah. Caitlin's gonna show up. Mike is like, hey, uh, why are you here? He's and, like, I'm, I'm gonna leave to another planet. What are you doing here? Yeah, and she's like, what are you even saying? You sound <laughs> ridiculous. And he's like, no, I don't sound ridiculous. No, you sound ridiculous. What a loser. What a loser. <laughs> this guy is a, this guy is a loser. He's a loser, but he's also kind of likable, but also not at the same time. Why have we had two likable protagonists throughout all these movies? Three. I don't I don't think Xenon was necessarily unlikable. Xenon wasn't unlikable. It just had that she had that teenage like energy kind of thing mm-hmm. going for her. Brink was very likable. Yeah. Marshall was fine. Marshall was okay. Uh-huh. But Kirk Cameron <laughs> the worst. Sucks. <laughs> Marnie annoying. Oh my god, Sophie the star. And Mike here, who's just an absolute loser. <laughs> I kind of feel for him, but he's also a loser. He doesn't help himself. No, there's nothing. Like you keep thinking he's gonna like do something cool because even in this scene, um he is like saying goodbye to Caitlin and he's like he apologizes for the dance before he leaves. And but he thanks Caitlin for feeling something, making him feel something that he's never felt before. And he's like, you're like, oh, it's going to be love. He's going to say he was in love. And then he goes, I never felt like I belonged before. Oh, my God. You're so what dramatic. A, what a nerd. Also, And also before the dance, like when they're setting up the dance, he's like, I should stop talking. I should shut up. 
And then Caitlin goes, yeah, maybe you should shut up. And you're like, whoa, 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 something's going to happen here. And then nothing does. Loser. I feel for him, though. No, I feel for him because I was also a loser. But also, Me too. loser. <laughs> loser. Like, good game recognizes game. <laughs> Jersey swap with Mike. <laughs> so, after Mike and Caitlin have that conversation, uh, they go to the backyard. Mike and Nick go to the backyard, but Caitlin kind of follows them out, but doesn't go outside with them. Like, she stays in the house. Real weird. And Caitlin's a full 20 minutes behind the rest of them in this scene. <laughs> also, if she doesn't believe that, like, aliens were the main cause of all this trouble, they're out back. It happens later. But you could just be like, look at this. They're all in the treehouse right now. Right. She, for some reason, she's like, fine, I'll stay. And closes the door, but never goes outside. For a while, until it's, like, absolutely necessary that she goes outside for the plot. She's, she's walking at a grandma's pace. So, they go out back, and, uh... Mike is talking to the aliens, trying to choose which one to go with. And this is when Caitlin finally after, comes outside after a while. And at this point, all the aliens get scared, and they run back through their stargates to go back home. Barnabas and, is also here at this point. Yeah, Barnabas appears, and he tells us that the Thodes are coming to take specimens from Earth, and they're looking for the perfect specimen. At this point, we are an hour into this movie. Nothing of significance has happened. Not really. Especially when they hype it up to be like an alien movie. Yeah. We're finally going to get our first significant moment here. Yeah. So when this conversation is happening between uh, Mike and Barnabas, Jay, whose point is to move the plot along, he comes thinking Mike did something cool with the treehouse because it's all like glowing and everything. So he climbs up to the treehouse, but at this point, a large tongue comes out through the treehouse and takes him in through a stargate. And then they all go into the treehouse. Barnabas says that they're looking for the perfect specimen. And Mike's like, I got a plan. And that's when the scene ends. Good old Mike and his plan. I think Mike couldn't have got, I could have got some more brownie points here. Because when the perfect specimen thing was kind of brought up, I thought he was going to say Caitlin was the perfect specimen as a real like cute kind of thing. But also in a serious way at the same time. Just nerd. That's all. So, no in game. the next scene, uh, some person in a pig mask is going to Scott's room, and we learn that person is Nick. And he wakes up Scott, and he gets him to go to Mike's house, where he sees Barnabas, because Mike wants to confront Scott. The best part about this is Scott is sleeping yep. in a sweater above the blanket in yep, his own he, house. He is sleeping in full, regular clothing. And then throws a Leatherman jacket on top of that. <laughs> he's just like a robot, just laying there on he's the, a bed. Like, he's the perfect be, specimen, come on. He, he's got to be ready at all times. He is the perfect specimen? So, they get Scott to... He's, he's, he's a, a jerk, jerk, but he's a cool jerk, I think that's what they say. Whatever. Well, it's me, but I feel included when it happens. The harsh realities of life. <laughs> we don't condone bullying on the pod. Yeah, we do. Tony uh, likes bullying me. That's the only reason why he's saying that. I'm okay with it. Don't bully others. Just know when it gets <laughs> too far. Anyway, so 
they get Scott to come uh, to Mike's house. And Mike's plan is to use Scott at bake. Uh, nope, not as bake. That makes no sense. Mike wants to use Scott as bait. And um, because Scott is apparently the perfect specimen here. The Handsome, perfect specimen. athlete, muscles, computer whiz. So uh, Scott thinks this is a prank at first, but after a little inspirational speech from Mike, are we going to include this on the list? Uh, we can if you want to. Well, it's I it's, a, it's kind of an inspirational speech. Uh, he really stumbles at first just trying to find a way to convince Scott to do it. But then it kind of turns into an inspirational speak, there, speech. There's definitely inspirational speech music in the background. Okay. Is it better than... I think it's better than a dog talking. I think it's less inspirational than whatever is number one. (laughs) 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 Because it's just like his football thing. Like, he shows signs of, like, being good at it. But really, he just sucks at it. So, number three, we have Lucky's courtroom speech from you, Lucky Dog. Number two, we have Mike convincing Scott to be Bates. At number What's two, number one? and at num at number one, we have Brink Prime's oh, yeah. garage okay. speech. No way, it's better. And then just to run through the athletes' rankings, Mike is number three. Val and Brink are two and one. Mike has a case of not being the worst if the first and second aren't the best inline skaters the in the world. In all of the people so who me, care about it, probably not you. Maybe you a little bit. That that one <laughs> photographer from Inline that's Skating all. Magazine. Alright, so all. Mike, I mean, Scott finally agrees uh, to be the bait. They all climb into the uh, treehouse, and the Stargate to the third world opens, and Scott uh, I don't know how to say this any better way. He gets tongued in to the Stargate. <laughs> I needed to use that as a as a verb. The word you're looking for is pulled. <laughs> P-U-L-L-E-D. My brain just forgot the word pulled. I'm sorry. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, it worked out for me. I, I got to endure that. A- anyway, besides the, uh, the verbiage I have used, uh, we get back to it. The Stargate opens, and then everybody else follows in because that's the point of having Scott as the bait so they can all jump in. Right, he oh, he gets the Stargate for them to all jump in. Did we mention that Mike ends his speech by daring yeah, Scott? Yeah, it's, it's a bold move, but it works. Because all, in all these right. like movies from this time, the biggest, I, it's not an insult, but the biggest thing you can get somebody to do something is to dare them. More importantly, double dog dare them. It gets that Simple intense dog. sometimes. Right. And then your tongue mm-hmm. stuck on mm-hmm. a pole. You can tongue a pole. <laughs> anyway, at at uh, I wanted to bring up. Scott says he's like maybe I'm not really. You want to bring up a lot of things, huh? I like the. That's what we're here for to bring up stuff. You gave me the platform. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to use this platform for good, With Ethan. Great, uh, platform comes great responsibility to not say tongue. I think that was from Uncle Ben, the rice guy. 
<laughs> Can you laugh louder? It sounds like I'm the only one laughing at my joke. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, Scott says here, he's like, I'm not really that perfect, and I'm glad somebody else sees that he's not perfect just because he's he's attractive and it's a computer whiz. And he's got muscles yeah. and can play football. Anyway, so the gang gets to the other world, and they start to explore it, but uh, we we figure out that this place is like a zoo. It's a zoo enclosure, and we see this when we cut to Scott waking up in a like a area that is light it's the outside of the treehouse but jay is also there and scott thinks it's a prank but jay points to the glass that is in this room and when he looks out you can see the zoo enclosure that uh the rest of the gang is in barnabas is gonna say uh he goes the thug calls it a zoo but i believe you call it a prison which is that supposed to be some like social stance? <laughs> this is another here? movie where we have anti-Earth propaganda. I just I'd like to point out zoos are zoos are a lot better these days. You know, for real. I have I have a guy <laughs> I have a guy, and uh, I can promise zoos are you know yeah, especially when they do good. that like they all it's rehabilitate sense. those animals because they won't survive out in the wild. We support zoos. They're n- they're not yeah, the no. same as what this is. So uh, after Scott learns about that, we cut back to the gang and they're exploring the zoo area some more. And they find the master control uh, to everything here, which is basically just a couple set of gems, very Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones kind of thing. Like when he takes that gold off and switches it, had that kind yeah. of vibe. At this point, Caitlin goes wanders off a little bit, and she finds an enclosure with a I don't know fire creature. It is. It looks like one of those um, giant chocolate balls that you break <laughs> open, and you can get like a Mario themed gold coin <laughs> out of it. I think that's a great description of it. Um, Thank you. So she calls the gang over. They go to the next enclosure, and they find. So for Mike's story earlier, the Hansels, they find a Hansel alien, which is like the same description Mike gave from earlier. Yeah, they're going to find the Hansel. They're not going to say anything to the Hansel. No they also can't. The Hansel can't hear them, as we learned in a little bit, because the glass is soundproof or something, because oh. Scott and Jay can't hear uh, the gang. Yeah. Right. Um, but then we cut back to Scott and Jay inside. Uh, Scott complains more about being stuck. And then Jay begins to tell the story of the Hansels because Jay's just so inspired by Mike's storytelling. Yeah, they have this like real nice heart to heart. And Jay's like, let me tell you yeah, the first time about still. Mike. And Scott goes, uh, yeah, sure. No, no problem. And then he goes, wow. So maybe he feels like he's that little <laughs> alien boy. More confusion. Well, it's that thing, like, is he the alien or not? Right. I... When you're gonna finally see this alien, he's gonna be like, oh, that's the alien that I drew. But we're still not at the point where it's like, I think he's an alien. 
Like, it's just more confusing on, on whether or not Mike mm-hmm. is actually yeah. an alien. But I think we're... I think we'll, we'll run into a, to a okay. piece here in a little bit that I feel like... Well, Make sure to bring it up, because I thought answer. that was the moment, but we'll go on. So, uh, after we see that conversation between Scott and Jay, we then see the gang find the enclosure, but they can't get in because Scott and Jay can't hear them through the glass. And this is when the Thode appears. And what you think the Thode is, is definitely not what it actually is. It is a bald guy. Who has this weird tongue thing going on. And it's just like... It doesn't no. need to. The whole oh, it's just weird. Yeah, it's just weird, and it doesn't need to. It's just like he's got a knot. It'd be cool if he didn't do this. It doesn't help that he's a human guy first, because he will turn into like a alien kind of guy. But he still does the right. tongue thing as a human, which uh, ruins everything. Yeah, but. It's weird. And he's going to turn into this alien thing. And I don't have anything to say about the Thode as a person. But I do have some stuff to say about the Thode as Oh, are they different alien. people? They are different people. But I wanted to get into the world of Brian Steele. Who is, uh, like, he's... Probably in the world of, like, special effect acting, he's pretty well-known. Like, he's in, most recently, he's in Lost in Space, but that's not what I need to talk about. I want to talk about his IMDb bio. Let's do it. Because it is written by, uh, by a person named Creature Boy who wrote this whole little biography on Brian Steele. I'll read, I'll read some of it, but here is how it starts. As a child, Brian Steele knew only two speeds, full throttle and off. Perpetually hyperactive and adventurous, young Brian constantly pushed boundaries and tested the patience of his parents and teachers. But Brian's boundless energy and ambition had no direction. Growing up in a small town, but as soon as a few local Detroit television programs changed all that, Brian discovered Monster Week, The Ghoul, and Sir Graves Ghastly, bright bestie shows whose creature characters he found fascinating. Towering over classmates at an astounding 6-7. It does not say when he was 6-7, though. At some point. Brian again found himself turning to on-screen icons for inspiration. Watching over-the-top physical comedy by the Three Stooges and Laura and Hardy helped him embrace the physical awkwardness that he had. But lacking an outlet for his energy or any focus on a career, Brian had no direction. There's more. It's hilarious. I think you should read more um, if you want to. It's written by a guy named Creature Boy on IMDb, and I was like, that's weird. First off, I didn't know, like, that you could link, like, you could have screen names on IMDb. Until I kind of looked into him more, and that's he is Creature this. Boy. <laughs> he wrote a multi-paragraph 
small biography for his IMDb page, which is uh, he hyped himself hilarious. up. Maybe he could share some of that confidence with like Mike. Maybe maybe they would make two normal people out of this. That's okay. all in Brian's deal. Perpetually my favorite actor in the DCOM universe. I, I want to see if that changes, if this stunt actor will be your favorite throughout. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. I think we have a okay. connection. Okay. So, after we were introduced into the Thode, he says he heard the call in space from Mike, and that he will be capturing everybody here into his sanctuary or zoo. Uh, so this is the point where he sticks out his gross tongue, and the gang run away, runs away, and Jay is cut back to telling Scott Moore's story. Um, at this point, the gang tricks the Thode and locks him in a cage, and they steal a key that the Thode wore around his neck, and they go... He is not a difficult uh, villain. No, just a little bit of misdirection here, and uh, a perfectly placed cage from the ceiling. Yeah, not much here. Uh, but they steal the key, and they're going to go free Scott and Jay, but on the way, they pass by the Hansel alien, and Mike and Hansel, are ha they have this like telepathic moment through the glass where Hansel teaches Mike how to use the key, which is the most convoluted way. I know it's supposed to be like a space future way to open a thing, but it's basically drawing with the stone rock key kind of thing. It doesn't make sense is what I'm trying to say here. Ethan is acting it out right now. But the important part here is this is the scene for me where I think Mike's an alien. He telepathically communicates uh, with an alien. I thought it was just because like he knew the hands. I guess that makes sense because I'm, I'm like... <laughs> It's all connecting now as I speak it out loud. <laughs> when I think about it, and I try to disprove your point, it makes sense. <laughs> it's the only way I win arguments. It's the correct way to win them. Ethan, real confused until he wins. Ethan has died in confusion. So after that convoluted drawing, they free Hansel, and then they go and free Scott and Jay, and then they're like, we gotta escape through the Stargate that we enter through. So at this point, we see the Thode kind of breaking out of the cage. But on the way out, Mike sees the master switch. And he's like, I got to free everybody else. So he does. And we cut back to the backyard where Scott, Caitlin, and uh, Jay jump through the portal or the Stargate. And they're like, where's Barnabas and uh, Mike? I guess Nick's there. Gilbert's there. Oh, sorry. We completely forgot a thing what that we, we had what to I touch miss? on. Okay. Uh, Nick does not care that his brother <laughs> got kidnapped by aliens. <laughs> I, I... When they jump through the original portal to get to the zoo, Nick asks, where's Scott? And <laughs> no mention of Jay. From him. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I forgot Nick was in this scene. At all. <laughs> he is just in these scenes to <laughs> ignore his brother. Like, he does not care that his brother is trapped. And I, he's just he's so calm. It's impressive how calm he is. And also, 
they don't say that they're brothers until like I'm gonna say more than halfway through the movie. Not until Scott is like, uh, when they're trying to convince Scott, Nick goes like, my <laughs> brother's trapped in there. And that's the only time he cares. Which is like a crazy step up from Gilbert, mm-hmm. who was terrified of everything. <laughs> this kid's brother got kidnapped by aliens, and he's just like, move. What about Scott, move? He, he's perfect. I think Nick, Nick and Scott, Nick's like very... He loves Scott, I think. Yeah, he broke into Scott's house. <laughs> it's a nice bromance. <laughs> so, uh, after all the others jump through the Stargate, they're like, where's uh, the, the so Mike and Barnabas? And, and then, then a couple seconds later, uh, they all jump through the Stargate. The, gate, the Stargate well. doesn't close, which means that somebody is still traveling through it. And at this point, Barnabas is like, I'm going to call the police. But their line is busy because he is calling the intergalactic police. Yeah, get another line. Yeah, you, you're going for the whole universe. You gotta, you gotta have more than one line. Can't be busy. Right, we get that the police is, you know, not always structurally in place, but you guys <laughs> can have more than one phone line. Yeah. If you're the uh, intergalactic police. Yeah, you gotta have an insane reach as an intergalactic police, but that's besides the point. Uh, so Barnabas, because of the police not coming, he's like, you gotta stall uh, the Thode. So the Thode jumps through the Stargate, and Mike starts to insult him? I don't know. It's a weird fight scene here. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird fight scene that just ends up with the Thode trapping Mike's leg. The Thode tongues Mike. Oh. I had to do it. That one sounds more gross than all the other ones. I'm sorry. I think they all sound pretty equally gross. Yeah, but this one most. Whatever. The Thode gets Mike's leg, but at this point, I, I think this is my favorite part of the movie. The intergalactic police arrive. The, t- the Stargate for the intergalactic police is one of those, like, steel police doors. The gate opens up, a metal ramp comes down, and out comes this alien who has a police siren built into his head. And he's the least intimidating police officer in the world. He's like, you're under arrest, Thode. You have, like, millions of intergalactic charges. And the Thode's like, okay, and let's go, Mike. The Thode has no interest in in fighting. Like, he was going to fight some children, but he would never fight a cop. (laughs) And the police sent a singular cop to take away someone who will later be put in jail for two eons. It was was just my favorite. Everything about about that was just out-of-this-world insane, but also amazing at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> so after that, they arrest the Thode, and then the lawyer alien, uh, the bomb, reappears, and he's like, I'm going to represent you, Thode. The Thode doesn't respond, and then the police officer's like, you're going to have to explain yourself. The, ga- the gang has to explain themselves why the technology and whatever. They're trying to bring back that point home of Earth 
is doomed if it wasn't an accident that they contacted him. I don't know. Right. Earth is stupid. Uh, we're only advanced on accident. Please don't hurt <laughs> us. Yeah. So they go talk to the... Uh... Which I think we should really try and establish that point in case we encounter any aliens <laughs> anytime soon. And just really drive home with the point that we're doing this on accident. This was all Please the bit. This is a bit. <laughs> Uh, as they all walk away to talk to the police officer, Caitlin says to Mike that they make a great team. That's all. Oh, think about the scene. Does nobody in the neighborhood hear this? Like, I, I get, like, the parents aren't home or whatever. I just don't get where the parents are and the sister. Like, why would, this, why would the parents go somewhere with the sister and not Mike? <laughs> Mike's a nerd, and we leave him home. Hey, man. You don't, wanna, you don't want to be seen outside with a nerd like Mike. <laughs> Just like how Tony doesn't like to be seen with me out in person. Right, that's why I was wearing a mask in person with Ethan before anyone else was. You were ahead of the times. Yeah, before it was smart to wear a mask. It was smart for you, but now it's just smart for everybody. <laughs> so after that scene, we go back onto the football field, and Mike is sitting on the bench when Barnabas reappears and starts talking in front of everybody, and he tells Mike that the Thode is in space prison for two eons, and that uh, they saw that it was an accident, the technology, and that their Earth is still protected by the Intergalactic Act. Barnabas then asks Mike if he wants to come to Barnabas's planet, uh, Puppas, and then Mike says that, no, Earth is where I belong. Uh, so, how do you say no? How do you say no to a planet full of puppies? There wouldn't be no message with uh, if he went to the planet, man. Come on. It's a decom. But it is a planet of puppies. You got a point. Either way, Barnabas leaves through his Stargate in front of everybody. Does nobody see this dog talking or leaving through a big space portal? Yeah. Uh, and I, this, is an this is a really super interesting game, and I can understand why no one is distracted by this dog. We'll get to that, uh, because after that, Mike ends up at the bottom of the dog pile, and just like the first scene, Scott comes over and asks him why he still plays football, and then he's on the team, and Mike's like, I belong here. Uh, Caitlin leaves a cheer for Mike. Scott helps Mike up, and then they go back to the line of scrimmage where Tony wants to put some of his football analysis in here. I don't necessarily want to, but I do want to point out a few things about this scene. This is the lowest budget shot. Has to be the lowest budget shot in so far in our journey. Yeah. This shot of like, I mean, what is this football field? Is this supposed to be a high school football game? And it looks like they're playing in a park. This the the field looks fifteen yards long. Yeah, it looks like an elementary school kind of like. They were like, oh, we found a football field. Let's just use it. There's one sideline <laughs> that houses both teams, three guys in sweatshirts, and one referee. <laughs> it's so ugly. <laughs> but that's just the aesthetics of how this place looks like. It's a high school football game. And it yeah. looks like a Little League baseball game that got rained out from its original places and is being played <laughs> in the back of an elementary school. 
I mean, uh, they are the uh, arts artists or whatever. Just the arts. They're the arts. They don't get that uh, sports funding. What does that even mean? I don't know. We're not going over this again. It's a mess. Anyway, um, so, so he's he's uh, runs onto the field. The coach is like, hey, Mike, it's time to play some football. And he runs onto the field where he's in the bottom of a pile. And then Scott helps him up. And then they run to the 50-yard line. What? Why was he at the bottom of a pile? <laughs> I don't know, man. I've got no explanation here. It's just another, like, example of the people who make these movies have no concept of sports. Or computers. Or computers. Or, like, writing. Or teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> also, um... This is an easy touchdown. I'm not going to explain it. The defensive alignment and the offensive alignment is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> anyway, regardless, this is Movie's a over. bad movie. <laughs> okay, you let's get to ranking. Wait, why are you crying? I'm not crying. I don't know. You would hear if I was crying. Oh, I hate when you get like this. <laughs> I think we're going to have our difference of opinions here. So... On my list, uh, my top five so far are Brink, followed by Xenon, uh, Halloween Town was three, Under Ramps was four, and You Lucky Dog was five. Right now I have Brink number one, Halloween Town number two, Under Ramps number three, Xenon number four, You Lucky Dog five. I am going to be taking Xenon. I'm going to move it up to three. Okay. Before we get into this next ranking, I think it's important to cover. We will make, we're going to make a Google Sheets, put both of our rankings up on there side to side. We'll share it with the podcast in the description. And then from there, you can keep track. Just as it's easier as we will get into uh, over 100 movies, and we are not going to go through it every time. We will. No, we'll go through it every time. Yeah? So I expect these podcasts to get brink length. So where do you put a can of worms on your rankings list? Okay. How did we do it last time? We went, think, went top down, right? I don't think we need to go top. Uh, I think we went from last up, didn't we? Doesn't matter. I think we just said it because we disagreed. Well, however we did last time was bad. Yeah. Either way, I think you should just say where on your list it is, and then I will say mine. All right. Why don't we say it at the same time? Fine. Put a number. Put a number to the name. Put a number? Okay, fine. All right. Three, two, one, four. Three. What? <laughs> I'm going to have to explain myself here. Yeah. So... What I have learned from watching these movies is that I do not like serious Halloween movies. And while Halloween Town isn't a serious movie one bit, I enjoy these types of movies more. I know Tony hates me for this because I can see him. I know a lot of people listening will hate this because Halloween Town is objectively 100% better than Xenon and Can of Worms. But not on my list. That's not how it's happening there. <laughs> well, I think we have a problem here. Yeah. 
Because no one cares about our personal rating. Fine, then I'll add. I'll, I'll have my own if personal list. If Lemonade Mouth is gonna end up on the top for you anyway, what are we doing here? <sighs> maybe we maybe we should run two lists. Are we gonna get too convoluted here? I think that gets too convoluted. We need to work out a system because if it's all based off of your personal preference, what are we doing here? Just throw Lemonade Mouth on top. <laughs> Because by the time Lemonade Mouth comes around, by the time Camp Rock 2 comes around, you're going to be so enamored by Camp Rock 2, you're going to have no recollection of Brink, which was a fantastic movie. For some okay. reason, you put the worst thing that I've ever watched in the month of October, number three on your list, ahead of Halloween Town. And then you and then you have the audacity to call Under Wraps, Halloween Town, and maybe Can of Worms serious Halloween movies? What's a serious Halloween movie? I don't like that I'm getting bullied here. <laughs> you made a joke about me crying earlier, but now I think it's real. <laughs> Fine. I I will change my ranking to a more objective list. I but think I'll, we need to be objective here. We need to. You bring up good points. But I am also going to personally keep my own list of what I like more. Well, that's because... fine. You can keep a personal list. <laughs> and I might slide it in here and there because I want to make it clear. Yeah, if people want to know your personal list, that's, uh, that's fine, you know. You can, you can hit me up on the email. I've, we've been over this. We've been over this. <laughs> it's your boy up on the Gmail account. But I think just the fact that, like, just, like, we can't do this. We can't be doing this. <laughs> no, no, you're 100% right, and I'm sorry. I, I have disgraced the legitimacy, whatever legitimacy we had of this podcast. I can't sit here and watch Can of Worms be third on any list ever. Okay, while, while you give your reasoning for your rankings, I'm going to try to switch mine quickly. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. Are you like your dog? Uh, uh, terrible. Obviously, it's staying at the bottom. Number five, Under Wraps. It's really Under Wraps versus Cannon Worms for me. I think they're very similar movies, but I think Cannon Worms is kind of more in that DCOM style. It knows what it is a bit more, yet it's not really a store there's not much to it i think it kind of knows where it is more whereas under wraps is um it's good but overall it, there's no theme there's no you don't learn anything on under wraps can of worms i think you kind of learn a bit more about there's some friendship there's some growth there's some teamwork mm -hmm. and that's why i think it's gonna fall in number four for me i don't think it's gonna surpass xenon because I think Xenon, it was brought to my attention, Xenon is an independent girl who is able to take down this whole thing. She saves the day, no problem. Well, maybe a little problem. <laughs> but she, it's a good hero story, especially for a DCOM, especially for any, any young girl who is watching Xenon. She's going to get a lot more out of it than she is can of worms or under wraps or you lucky dog yeah that makes some sense so i'm uh, yeah i have redone my rankings and i have now matched your list i okay. basically I, I switched i switched halloween town and can of worms which puts us at the same list so run your list again so it goes brink 
Halloween Town, Xenon, Can of Worms, Under Wraps, You Lucky Dog. Right. I still like Xenon better than Halloween Town. And I think it could be number two. I might change that after I think about it a little bit. I don't think that's egregious. I just think, like... Yeah, no, I agree. I get what you said about Can of Worms. I got it. Yeah. You got the point across. <laughs> <laughs> you drove it home. Enough. I almost cried. It's okay. King did cry. I watched it. <laughs> you were just a couple minutes too early. You saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. It's October 18th, and the time is 10.18. Whoa. That means absolutely nothing to people listening to this on Thursday. So that's the podcast. Yeah, I got nothing else to say about Can of Worms. I will say, if you're, uh, maybe you should have said this at the start of it, but um, this is the quickest movie ever. <laughs> Flew by. Because <laughs> nothing happens, I think. It is an hour of twenty hour and twenty minutes of absolutely nothing, and it was like, all right, cool. Yeah, because most decoms fall in that like hour twenty five to like hour forty kind of range, but this one felt like it was a nice hour. Yeah, it felt so much shorter than it was. It kind of breezes past. It's, it's good. Try it out. Uh, it's not very entertaining, but it's fine. It's fine. If you want to find out more about this podcast, you can go to Anchor FM, anchor.fm slash the unofficial decom podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at the unofficial decom podcast. You can email us at the unofficial decom at gmail.com. Is that right? Hit uh, the unofficial decom. I don't know. It'll be in yeah, it's the in description the of this. Yeah, uh, hit your boy up on the Gmail. <laughs> Rain us five stars. It really helps us out. We super appreciate it. Thank you for listening to us so far. It's crazy to think we're six weeks in. And I'm just excited to keep watching because I don't watch movies, and this podcast is forcing me to. Right, we're we're taking Ethan into a whole new realm of entertainment, and I think it's a fun time, and I think, you know, I'm excited to see where we go. Let's do this, man. And and I still won't know the important movies by the end of this, because we're only watching (laughs) DCOMs. He would not remember any movie that we're also watching here. No, not at all. (laughs) I'm Anthony. I'm Ethan. And this, this podcast is just a can of worms. Uh.